It's the best of the worst. B movie breakdown. It's the best of the worst. B movie breakdown. It's the best of the worst. B movie breakdown. It's the best of the worst. B movie breakdown. Hey DRC. What? You know how I felt after watching this movie? How? How did you feel, Corey? Felt like Freddy Krueger. That's quote the great L. Cool J in this very, very serious movie in which a whole entire scene was filmed completely in night vision. Not just a scene, an entire chase. An entire chase. An entire sequence filmed in night vision. I can't even believe... I. That scene alone, it blew my mind. I just, why was that decision ever made? I just, that, it, I, I mean, I wanted to start off in a very serious tone here because I really just don't understand why that decision was ever made in a movie. I don't understand and, why a lot of decisions are made in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Especially the cartoony spring sound effect while they're being chased by the low-flying airplane. They do it twice for no apparent reason. Really, I didn't. Boing, boing. <laughs> I didn't. How did you not catch that? Oh my god. Well, just like you missed the Freddy Krueger line, I missed the boing sounds. They did it twice, though. <laughs> I was like, was that even real? No. It could oh, there it is again. I missed the uh, the absolutely ridiculous boinging sounds in this week's movie of B-Movie Breakdown, which this is episode number 30. 30? Holy shit. Time to have a mid- midlife crisis, reevaluate your decisions. Can we get some um, rollerball motorcycles? Go bang a 17-year-old and uh, tell everybody you thought she was legal. And well, I mean, I, I didn't do that, but some people do. <laughs> some people do. That is very, very true. So, I'm Corey. I'm DRC. And this is the B-Movie Breakdown, as I said, where we watch the lesser-known, low-budget, big-budget... Holy shit films of the past and present. The good, the bad, the what the fuck. This week was truly just the bad. I really, that's all, I can't say, we've watched some bad movies so far on here. And some of them are bad in a good way. Because they're good, they're funny, they're entertaining despite themselves. The majority of them, yes, have been bad in a good way. This one definitely takes the cake as being bad in a very bad way. Uh, LL Cool J actually, when while promoting this movie on Conan O'Brien at the time, said this movie sucked. Like, the, what a way to promote your movie. Uh, I don't. I I remember when this came out. I didn't. Don't remember seeing it when it came out. I honestly. This, oh, I didn't either. This is the first time I've seen the whole movie. I've never watched the movie in full. You know, seen it on maybe HBO or some movie channel on like USA or something. Or the only whatever. reason I remember this is because they gave it a little bit of a push. On Monday Night Raw, when I was still kind of half-watching wrestling, like, oh, Paul Heyman's in here as an announcer, and something about a cameo by Shane McMahon, and I was like, huh, Shane's gonna be in movies now, and like, well, I guess, technically, <laughs> just barely, but not really. Yeah, he had no lines, uh, talk about, like, your standard cameo, I he mean, that a, wasn't even a cameo, it was, it was almost nothing. Yeah, it, he basically would have been an extra if he'd been anybody else, if they wouldn't have given him the close-up with his meaningful, concerned look. And this movie, you know, it also had a really amazing soundtrack. You had bands like P.O.D., mm -hmm. Godsmack, Hoobastank. You know it's serious this. when they bust out the P.O.D. 
But uh, honestly, there were some decent songs on here, and they Slipknot made a cameo as well. They were uh, the performing act as the people were walking in the, into the arena. See, that was weird because they don't explicitly say, oh, this is in the future and der-der-der, but like, you know, it, it's meant to be that way. So how is a band from now still but was in it this, supposed to be in the future? This odd future, this odd alternate it, reality. Because the, when they were in the States, it just looked pretty normal. I guess the future <laughs> is pretty normal now. If, if it was supposed to take place in like 2015 well, or something like that. they have their special global instant rating box. That technology yeah. doesn't exist yet. <laughs> yeah, like global instant ratings. Uh, but they, you know, they had some uh, Slipknot on the soundtrack, some Rob Zombie, some Fear Factory, uh, some some decent songs. But they kind of really outplayed some of the other uh, stuff, like the POD and the Godsmack, and I noticed the Hoobastank song at one point. So I mean, this movie is just it's it's a, it's a train wreck. It's an absolute train wreck mm-hmm. it, from the from the start. The you should know by the start because a movie that is supposed to be this action-packed, you know, awesome thrill ride, crazy super sport over the future, the opening title sequence is very lackluster. When you see the title of Rollerball, it just comes up like Rollerball, yeah. nothing going on, nothing. So yet. then they do their stupid chase, and then afterwards, oh, now we'll put all the credits on here, and yeah, well, actually, in the mix of the credits, in the same font as the credits, it said. Four months later, and uh, mm. Central Asia, mm. or something like that. Like, why is that the same font as the credits are happening right now, and in the middle of the credits? Like, because the credits were all over the screen, and so was that. It was up in the upper left. So, like, that was just a weird decision. Why didn't they do that before starting the credits or something? I thought that was really odd. Why didn't they do the credits during the land luge scene? And by the way, all oh, the land luge shit. They start off like they're <laughs> they're just on what seems to be an empty stretch of road. And, like, I hadn't really seen these things before. Like, they're sitting on these longer body boards and, like, pushing themselves with their hands. They have these big, thick gloves on them. And to me, they look like the homeless guy from the movie Kids who <laughs> has no legs. He's pushing himself through a subway car on a board with wheels and just going, I have no legs. <laughs> I have no legs. Like, his way of asking for handouts, you know. And yeah. so I see that, and they look the same way. In like, the late 90s, I have no legs. In the late 90s, early 2000s, Land Luge was like, uh, you know, it was in the X Games. It was, uh, hmm. it, uh, they mainly had, like, a lot of protection on them all doing it. It was always in a closed-off course. Unlike no, not this, these assholes, I don't know why, why were they even doing it? Was anybody videotaping this even? There were people following on motorcycles. No, no, just for the shits and giggles, apparently, and, you know, and one guy, causing accidents, getting other people hurt and possibly yeah, killed. They don't give a fuck. One guy had legit land Lelouge gear on. Mm-hmm. Chris Klein, sweatshirt, elbow, your standard rollerblading elbow pads and helmet, and hockey gloves. You gotta let your quote-unquote hot star peacock, Corey. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure that's the... The behind-the-scenes explanation, but no, he's just such a badass. He never wears a spine protector either. Yeah. <laughs> spine protector, because uh, yeah. that's a thing. And uh, when uh, when this all happens, my big dilemma with this, how does LL Cool J find him? How did the fuck did he know where the where he was? Well, obviously, obviously, LL Tele- Cool telepathic. J... LL Cool Oh no, it's it's not that ridiculous. This is far more far more understandable. LL Cool J, while back during his brief vacations to visit his family that he seems to care about but doesn't have a problem screwing around with Russian chicks over in Kazakhstan or whatever. He um while he's back in town, he has the presence of mind to keep a police radio in his car and hear 
reports about, oh, some asshole's causing an accident on land luge boards. Oh, that must be my buddy. Better go save him <laughs> from the cops. Was that a legit explanation? He had a police scanner? I have no idea. Oh, just, I thought maybe he I thought maybe he said that and I totally missed that part. Because right. honestly, I wouldn't put it past this movie to have an explanation like that. But uh, well, maybe not because this movie really doesn't explain too much. But you know, times. you you got to save your buddy when he's purposely pulling shit in uh, major traffic and getting other people into accidents, ruining your vehicles, possibly hurting or killing other people just for a stupid little thrill, you know. And I, I've actually heard that like people do this with like bike races too, just like uh, just throw themselves out in traffic and just like, oh yeah, yeah let's. This is the first one to the finish line wins. Fuck everybody else. Who gives a fuck if we cause accidents? It reminds me of the movie, which I'd like to do with the po- on the podcast one time, Airborne. It's a 90s mm, movie about yes. rollerblading oh, yeah. and stuff, and they have oh, yeah. that unsanctioned race through the entire town. Though theirs is a little bit more. They're on some streets that are completely dead. Only at certain, a couple times they yeah, kind of go through traffic. And... But this is like an busy section of what looked to be uh, San Francisco with all the, the way the roads were. It just looked like San Francisco to me. I don't know. It could have been anywhere else. But another another huge thing with the, with this scene where you find out something, these two characters went to high school together. Two people that are, in reality, 11 years apart. Chris Klein looks younger. I mean, at the time, he was in the American Pie movie. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, he's younger. He's 11 years younger than L. O. Cool J is. But you're led to believe that these two people went to high school together. Chris Klein looks like a kid in this movie. He looks really, like, super young in this movie. Like, maybe now you could pull that off with L. O. Cool J and him being, possibly had done that, but... I don't know. It was just—it's the Hollywood magic, Corey. <clears throat> yeah. Hello, Cool J doesn't have any visible wrinkles, or they hid them very well. well so, oh, see, he's—he's he, uh, he's young. He's too busy. Uh, he's making, a young buck making accidental he, racist. The more song with... Kazakhstani chicks you bang, the younger you get, and he must have just been rolling in the third world. He was looking into the future where he's going to make the accidental racist song with Brad Paisley, and how it's okay to wear Confederate flag shirts and stuff because it doesn't mean you're racist. No, it just means your country, yeah, obviously. Yeah. yeah, I mean, in defense, LL Cool J said he wears a pirate shirt, and uh, he wears a shirt with skull and crossbones on it, but it doesn't mean he's a pirate. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, he's not raping and pillaging, or at least not, <laughs> you know, where the media will find out, so. The uh, the best actor in this movie, by far, Paul Heyman. Yeah, oh yeah. Paul Heyman, uh, ECW fame, WWE fame, whatever you know him from in the wrestling world. Uh, he played the American announcer for Rollerball, which apparently, okay, they were trying to get it, distrib- like get, get distribution in America. Mm-hmm. So where was it playing at in America already? That like I understand a lot of people speak English in the world, so maybe it was playing in other places where people could hear it. In Australia, it, New they, Zealand, they, maybe they wanted to hear it in English as well. Of course, if they were playing in Australia and New Zealand, I don't know why they wouldn't have an Australia and New Zealand announcement. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know who he was commentating to. Paul Heyman is a man of the world, though, Corey. This is very true. He is a man of the world. I I can't... The, the rollerball as a whole, as a sport, to me, is something that could exist. I could see it on, like, Spike TV or something ridiculous like that, but it would only last, like, one season. Like, an, an XFL... Shame on you, Corey. From probably the same creative minds that brought us the XFL and the highly rated, highly esteemed Brawl for All. Of course, Rollerball would go along quite well. <laughs> well, it, it would it, it would it, take it, off too if they stuck with it. 
but nobody wants to stick with it because you know what? The criminal liberal sports media refuse <laughs> to cover it, just like the XFL, just like Brawl Frawl. It also reminded me of Jump Ball. Uh, I believe that was called Slam Ball. Slam Ball with the trampoline, the trampoline basketball, trampoline court. basketball court. That seemed like something they should have had on Guts on Nickelodeon. Yeah, this rollerball is something that very much seemed like a Nickelodeon game show. With that, minus the well, violence, mean, yeah. minus the violence, that ends the up violence happening. and scary helmets and costumes but and face tattoos. But I could see this being a thing on like Guts sex. or like a. It was very much Nickelodeon game showy to me. And uh, what was that dome show that, that was on UPN back in the day? It was dome called, show. It was called Terror Dome or something dome, and it was like wrestling. Like they had, they had storylines and stuff. It was like American Gladiators, but with storylines. Huh. I and actual there were some wrestlers who ended up becoming bigger in WWE that were on that show originally. Huh. Oh my god, it's gonna drive me nuts. It was when called. What was the sign? late 90s, early 2000s. Ah, see, I wasn't watching as much TV at that point, so I probably missed it. Like, the name vaguely sounds it was, familiar. It was, but... it was very ill-lived. It was on, like, UPN. They had, like, rivalries and storylines, and, like, there was a thing with, like, a cage with, like, motorcycles, but then the one guy's in it, and he's fighting, and then, you're taking my girlfriend! And it was, like, a very set-up thing, like, wrestle, like storyline wrestling-wise. And, like, they had this one thing where they fought on the top of this pyramid thing and throw them down the thing, like King of the Hill type thing. And You know what? It, let me just take this opportunity. TV networks, I know you want to make money. That's your bottom <laughs> line. Something popular comes along. You want to come up with a knockoff and peel off a little slice of that pie for yourselves. You know what? I understand that. I almost respect it to a certain degree, as long as you don't go overboard with it. But at the same time, don't go overboard, but don't go underboard either. <laughs> don't half-ass these things. You want to come up with your own wrestling thing, then go balls deep and fucking yeah, do it. and it was definitely at the time of wrestling at its peak. Uh -huh. you know, like, big-time Attitude Era, WCW. If you want to make, stuff was it. If you want to make a Power Rangers knockoff, you don't go make your own show and reuse the same seven or eight monsters over and over and call it <laughs> Tattooed Teenage Alien Fighters from Beverly Hills and have it be more like, you know, Saved by the Bell with the occasional Power Ranger fight that none of the kids participate in because, you know... Uh. Yeah, I mean, it was a syndicated show, clearly, on UPN. USA. Oh, I, I was thinking of the... Oh no no! Players. I was talking about the dome. The Oddly dome, enough, Power my dome sister ended up liking that better than Power Rangers for some. Uh, another reason. another show. Uh, uh, it was called. It was like along the lines of like being called Karate Fighters, or it was, it was as if Mortal Kombat was like a thing, and then they had WMAC like, Masters, maybe, and they had they had belts, but it was like storylines, and it was like karate fights, but they weren't clearly real. And yeah, yeah, it was on uh, Fox Kids. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was. Um, I think it was technically syndicated because it aired after their block, but. It was on Fox, at least in our area, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, they like, had, like, kind of, like, shitty, more, like, title-focused storylines till they had their season one cliffhanger, <laughs> and then they had a storyline all throughout season two where this evil, this evil secret organization sent, you know, undercover members into no, the WMAC God. to destroy and that was And they had, like, a guy like Guile from Street Fighter, like the U.S. Army guy, his name was Tracy Sweatham. 
And it's like, oh, Tracy, oh, that's that's cool. That's a girl's name. Ha, ha, ha. And they're like, oh, I'm just running people's names through, like, this this uh, anagram thing in our computer to find out what they come out to. Like, oh, let's run his. And they forget and walk away, and it comes out to destroy WMAC. Dun, dun, dun. And the evil organization oh was called Jaquito. And they'd, they'd stand around, like, you know, do their behind-the-scenes fly, like, Jaquito, Jaquito. We need to watch this, because I don't really remember. I only briefly remember it. And... Yeah, and then that was at the height of video game fighting, mm-hmm. video games becoming movies, Double Dragon, Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat. Yeah, yeah, all these people, like, all they, big at the time, so they... They didn't go by their own names, like, they had their own character yeah, and gimmick yeah. in there, like, uh, you know, Tsunami, Warlock, Wizard, whatever, you know. That's how that Dome show was, too, it was very much like that, a little less, uh, I guess, supernaturally type of feel to it, or whatever, like, going on, but, and I feel like if Rollerball existed, it would be like that. It'd be half-ass done, it'd be syndicated, and it'd be some complete trash garbage. Like, something... It'd be on, like, Spike TV or TNN back in the day or whatever, you know? The the Nashville network that became the national network that is now Spike TV. So... (laughs) Well, that's only because, you know, Spike Lee sued him saying, Oh, I own the name Spike and you have to pay me to use it now. No, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah, well, because I'll tell you what, Spike- cartoon dogs existed with the name Spike before you were even born, son. <laughs> very, very true. So your main character here, Chris Klein's character, Jonathan Cross, he- which is funny in the credits, they only just list him as Jonathan. They <laughs> list LL Cool J's Marcus Ridley. Everybody else just gets a first name. This is how how much they cared about these, <laughs> these highly developed three dimensional characters. He, his character turns down the NHL to go play rollerball in Kazakhstan or many other countries they keep traveling to throughout the movie. Literally turns down his... He even mentions how before he really wants to try out for the NHL and it's like a dream of his in the, in the beginning of the movie. He turns his dream down to go do this. Well, because money. the cops were on his ass and about to arrest him for his illegal land losing thing, as well they should... And LL Cool J tells him, well, if you come with me, I'll get you a deal with them. And he turns LL Cool J down, but then he says, you got till nine tonight when my plane leaves to decide I could get you on the plane. So, like, hops swarm in his apartment, like, oh, well, get ass rammed in prison or go to Kazakhstan. But, but then when he goes to Kazakhstan, four months later, he mentions how he turned down the NHL. So in between then and nine <laughs> o'clock, did he have an offer from the NHL? I guess. <laughs> Before tryouts happened? <laughs> Maybe they called his apartment and he didn't have a cell phone. <laughs> and then he just told people he turned it down so he seemed like more of a badass. Because, you know, they were clearly fabricating these guys' bios, remember? In the beginning, Paul Heyman's like, oh, we changed his story now. He's uh, the son of a farmer or something and tried to make it sound mm. like he was a country boy or something. Yeah, because overseas they just took to, like, the cowboy. Uh-huh. He's a cowboy from America. And, uh, who was it, um, Rebecca Romaine Stamos, I think, her character, Aurora. Maybe it was her, maybe it was the other chick. She's, like, telling him beforehand, um, you know, all right, we go teamwork this time. No more of this cowboy hot dog dog shit. (laughs) Uh, Cowboy hot dog dog shit. I wonder, I would like to see the original movie with James Caan. I've heard that it's actually a decent movie. Uh, This is actually based on a a book or short story of some sorts. Apparently the person who wrote the original short story that the original movie was based on he wrote the screenplay for the original movie, and he did not see this. Mm. So, uh, you know, he's not all about it. 
you're talking about Rebecca Romaine Stamos. Her accent was horrible. It dropped in and out at times from being wherever she was supposed to be from Russia or I don't know, somewhere around that area she was supposed to be from. Her accent would drop in and out. It would go from that to just her normal you know, American sounding voice. And also, Jean Renault was in this movie. A great actor, you know, from The Professional and a lot of other movies, but in the late 90s, the dude made some fucking stinkers. Godzilla was a terrible movie He was that mm. he was involved in. I only saw that once, and I don't know if I saw all of it, and I still found it pretty unmemorable. So. I remember being super pumped for it. Oh, yeah, a lot of people were, especially because they were teasing, like, we're not going to show you the new Godzilla. You'll have to see the movie to see it. Yeah. And then when you do, it's like, oh, he just looks like a regular dinosaur. Yeah, and actually in Godzilla Final Wars, uh, Godzilla... Kills that Godzilla, <laughs> which is a pretty awesome. pretty awesome scene that they uh, threw in there. We got that American Godzilla. Was he killed that Godzilla and the egg left behind at the end? I hope so. <laughs> Just like finish the match, like oh, real Godzilla wins, and then you know a little addendum, like uh, like in Blade Two, like you didn't think I forgot about you, did you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming that they uh, they just didn't care about that. They just wanted that justice to kill that that shitty Godzilla. That happened in the the two thousands, and with Matthew Broderick and Jean Renault. Maybe they should have just put that Godzilla on an England English road in front of Matthew Broderick's speeding car, and could have another accident and <laughs> buy his way out of that too. And uh, you know, their team that they had—I don't know what their team name was called. Me neither. You, which they should have done a much never, better job. You were, of. You never explained any of the team names. Nope. There was the gold team. And the red team. The red team. team and the blue team. And the green team. The green team had the cobra and the knight. That team was barely in it. I wish they were in it more because that guy's cobra cobra helmet was absolutely amazing. Yeah, that was kind of cool. And I did like the one creepy like sculpted face helmet on the gold team. Yeah. Kind of reminded me of uh, the villain Hexadecimal from Reboot. Yeah, 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 it did. It actually, the woman, the gold mm-hmm. woman, yeah, yeah, it did. Uh, I, no, I didn't even think of that, but... Definitely. So, on the red team, they had a man named Toba. Is he, is he like a handicapped person? Yeah, he's wearing like this big badass red demon mask. Like, oh, is this guy going to be a real criminal? And like, he tries to talk to him. Like, the one line he gets in the movie, he says, I don't even remember what he says, but he just sounded like a complete hard baby the whole time. <laughs> he was, he was just like... When they flashed his bio on the screen real quick, said he was from Mongolia. Oh, the Mongoloids from Mongolia. Yeah, yeah. How appropriate. Exactly what I thought. I literally wrote that down. Oh, he's a Mongoloid. Like, he literally, this guy was like, why? I can't believe they had this guy on their team. And then they, they play start to play the sympathy card with him because he gets, you know, accidentally on purpose injured to get their little mild ratings uptick and like, hey, we gotta do something about this. And and the way it made me think of how it could be like this could be like some Nickelodeon or Spike TV or what have you like stupid game show syndicated bullshit from the and around this time is that it was so complicated to score. Mm-hmm. You couldn't just run up and throw the ball at that thing. You first the only way to initiate scoring was for one person to go up on top of that thing, go through that tunnel. And then once that person was through that tunnel and passed the ball to this person, then they could score any point. But that sequence had to be done first, mm-hmm. for whatever reasons. And, it, and even Paul Heyman was trying to read, like, he was trying to explain it 
And he even says, oh, it's, these, these are just getting too complicated. He goes, the rest of the rules are Russian and complicated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then and like, I really like feel like they just half-assed it. Like, oh, we didn't really think through all the yeah, rules of this game. Yeah, to be honest, I, I kept watching, and for a lot of the movie, I don't remember seeing specifically, okay, get the ball, go through the thing, hand off, dirt-a-dirt, like, you know. I really enjoyed how the one guy on the gold team, his literal name, or his, when his bio thing came up, was Skullface. <laughs> And that's the mask he wore. <laughs> they couldn't come up with a name for this guy. He was just maybe face. he illegally changed it like uh, Ocho Cinco. <laughs> like hi, it- Mister Skullface, or like on Gargoyles too, when Xanatos and Fox got married, and the guy goes to read their their thing. David Xanatos, do you take a? Excuse me, dear. What's your real name? Fox is my real name. <laughs> okay, do you, David Xanatos, take Fox to be your wife? <laughs> Yeah, the like I in, in, in the whole time all I could think of like how could somebody think of this game? Like this is a game like a kid would think of. You know what I mean? Like you're hanging playing with your friends and like, oh let's rollerblade and let's toss this ball into this thing. It was it was a game in Disney. Uh I was a little older at the time, but I remember my sister always watching it. It was called Z Games. Mm-hmm. And what the concept was was they had mm-hmm. you, you you could send in your ideas for games and they would come to your town mm-hmm. and they would sh- if it was good enough that you would you could explain it and then play it on the show and it was like a thing. So, this is like something that would be on Z games on Disney. So obviously they wanted to rip off the X games, but they wouldn't call it the Y games because people would have made the obvious connection of why is this even happening? <laughs> I guess. But yeah, it reminded me of something that'd be like some little kids would make up. And during the game, I thought advertising in America was bad. Advertising in Illegal world sports, mm-hmm. Kazakhstan is way worse. Oh like, yeah, well they they're let it tell have it trying to make them drink alcohol between points, which is a terrible idea. I'm sure that's got to go against like doping laws. I mean, granted, this is now, um, I, I was gonna say Eastern Europe, not really, but Asia, but part of the former former Russian Federation, all that. So or whatever you want to call it, former USSR. I don't know if it would fall under Russian Federation now or. That's kind of what they were calling it in the movie. But anyway, still like, oh, yeah, let, let's get drunk between points. And like, oh, no, you got to take another drink and have the label facing out so they catch it on camera so they could do their product placement advertising it, shit. It almost reminds me of uh, uh, wrestling, like, more recently than than before, like, when they had The Rock and John Cena WrestleMania thing, like, purposely have them, like, you could tell, like, somebody telling them, like, move or something, cameraman, like... Get in, have them in between the WrestleMania 29 logo and stand there for like five minutes, uh. like, like oh god. Or when they were doing it like a couple of years ago, and they seemed to seem to really stop doing it. I, they had must have had a lot of bad feedback by it. But they would have matches uh, brought to you by Doritos Locos Tacos or something oh, bullshit man. like that, and then they show like the King and Michael Cole eating these tacos. Oh so god, you know, no, fuck that. Fuck that. Fuck you, WW. You know what? <laughs> I feel so insulted when I do get to watch the show anymore because there's just so much blatant advertising the whole time. Like, the show's half commercial, and that's not counting the commercials that are in there anyway. Yeah. Like, hey, watch the Divas show. Oh my god, buy the Rock shitty cell phone game. We get added a thing so he gets to eat pie and get, get life for, like, you know, eating pussy, but not really. And now he's fighting zombies because everybody loves zombies, right? Now, fuck you. The thing is, though, they've always been like that. I know, but, forever. Like, it's, 
it's not even as bad as American Idol, where I still don't like it. Where like they'll sit there and have like Drink the big Coke, Coke shit. Yeah, but yeah. Like, oh, let's let's eat tacos. Well, and work that into our commentary. Well, okay, what you got? Oh, you got some Laffy Taffy. Fuck my voice they, is fucked. They did it like two times. Like it was like two years ago when I first when I got back into watching it again. They did it twice, and then literally the the feedback must have been so terrible on it about on it they haven't done it since and there was literally like the match was presented by like pizza hut or something they even said that it was presented by it and i was just like what are you fucking kidding me oh look at punk's new pizza hut tattoo (laughs) check out the commitment on that guy (laughs) yeah yeah, it was it was getting to the rollerball point, but they oh. they stopped it after like twice. So I'm glad it's the, they're not still de- pushing that. Me neither, because if they because were, they would, they would always do that in between commercials. Like tonight's Raw's. I know, but Snickers, that, blah, that's blah, very blah. different. Oh, that's it's something that's it's been done different. for a long, long time, well, and not literally would, like shoving it. The into, thing is, uh, the thing is, what you got to think about. They were doing this before. It was, it, but um, their pay per views used to be brought to you by. Oh, I know, but, Karate Fighters. I know. Slim Jim. But, like, they'd say that. They wouldn't be like, okay, stop to watch us play karate fighters now. Oh, I'm kicking the king's ass. They like, did, though. I remember. They did they? It. Yeah. Well, they weren't doing it before. It was Survivor It was Survivor Series, like, 1997 or 98. Was was brought to you by karate fighters. No. Well, it, like, brought to you. And they had yeah, the karate really fighters know. logo above the entryway. Yeah, but. And then they played with them. I remember them playing no. with them on Monday Night Raw. Because that's really when I started getting into wrestling was around like ninety six, ninety seven. I totally remember them playing with the Karate Fighters. So they've been doing that shit forever. Well, set up your VCR because I've got a bunch of those uh, <laughs> late nineties pay per view tapes. I'm gonna bust this out and find out if this is true. And if it is, I'm gonna go back in time and bitch slap them. It's Survivor gonna, Series ninety eight. What, what just came out and I really want to get is uh, Best of In Your House. And I know a lot of those In Your Houses were brought to you by any sort of product because they were the lesser pay per views. So they had to. You know, make some money. <laughs> oh, I hope it was like horribly inappropriate. Like brought to you by Monastat Seven. I'm surprised. <laughs> Get rid of that yeast infection. You know, I'm in surprised WCW at, at, during their dying days weren't like, you know, Pepto Bismol, and that was just the name of the pay per view. <laughs> <laughs> WCW Pepto Bismol rules with an exclamation mark. <laughs> Pepto the Pepto on a pole match. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, back to the oh man, the insanity that is rollerball. We're speaking of wrestling and Paul Heyman being in this. There's that scene where Paul Heyman's getting high. I bet he was really getting high. I bet that was real because I hope so. Because oh, well, you know what? His scenes were obviously filmed separately. But had he been sitting there watching that, he'd have to be high because rollerball, honestly, fucking boring. Mm-hmm. It's a it's. There's a lot go. There's almost too much going on, mm-hmm. but at the same time, nothing going you on. No, I don't know why most people are skating, but there's always a couple of people on motorcycles for some reason. Yeah, and if that's so, I would think all the players and some of the audience too would probably be getting sick off of all the damn gasoline fumes, <laughs> carbon yeah. monoxide yeah, it, and it, shit. That's exactly the best way to describe rolling rollerball. A lot going on with nothing going on because people are skating all over, riding motorcycles, flipping, jumping. But they're not really playing rollerball that often. It's just like a lot. It's just it was a really boring event. You know, boring always, to watch on film. Too. I want to see disco rollerball. 
And you know what? You know what else was also kind of popular at the time, and it has become popular again. I see a lot of places have leagues and stuff like that, and it is a definitely getting is is like a thing. Is roller derby girls roller derby? Hmm. And they, uh, I remember Spike TV or TNN at the time had a show that was roller derby, and, and the roller ball and roller derby was big back in the seventies too. It's always kind of been a thing consistently. Uh, r- roller derby when female roller derby leagues and stuff like that, and this was definitely roller derby ish. The course looked similar to like a roller derby thing, and uh, yeah, it it just and and then why do they wear such insane equipment? And sh- and it's the cheapest. It's like plastic mm-hmm. because is it supposed to be? It's not staged. They even say how in the beginning, like, you would never stage it, blah, blah, blah. Well, clearly, behind the scenes, they are-ish mm. a little. They end up doing it. But it's, like, they have, like, the cheapest play. And why do they Why do they all have to wear, like, masks and shit? It looks cool, but I don't... And it's not practical for a sport. Well, I think the helmet portion is necessary, but... The like, helmets, yes. But, but some like of the it, plastic shit they were wearing are on uh, their I kind of like that they'll let them have their own individual style much more than, like, any pro sports that we watch would, you know? And but it's like some of it's just so weird though, and like some of them have like little little tattoos on their faces of their number. But yeah. why do that? Especially because not everybody has them. Not everybody has to apparently. Yeah. But why do that too? Because they mentioned you find out later in the movie that you know people get, get traded like another team. So why get your number tattooed on your face if you could be traded and that won't be your number anymore? Yeah, well, I mean it could. But what if somebody else already has that number on that team? Then you have to get a different number and you're fucked. Yeah, and. uh you were talking we're talking about the uh the very interesting Toba character. He gets his face smashed and this is the start of the whole conspiracy behind what's going on and they cut his chin strap so his helmet would come off so that he'd get hit right in the head with the big heavy roller ball and get a concussion. Or... And and after that happens, well the ratings boost. Blood equals Well, ratings. you know, it's funny cuz they show the ratings box like Right before it happened, it only said 16.2. Then when he first gets knocked out, it just goes up to 16.5. I was like, bust retard in the head for a .3 uptick in ratings? Hells yes. <laughs> and, and But so, then, like, as it goes on, like, word spreads, and then it gets up to, like, 38. Where were they getting these ratings? This global... <laughs> so stupid, this global... I know, I know. Instant rating system. Instant. Uh, at some points, their ratings were, like, 8. I don't know, 8 million or whatever that was supposed to be. Maybe some of them were the house is, shows that got is, a little when bit when more of... blood and things were happening, was everybody calling up their neighbors and shit? Turn on fucking rollerball! There's blood! Yeah, it's... There is fucking blood! Like... We've never seen blood in a sport before! Holy fuck! We've never watched hockey or anything Especially of the sort. Especially where they're at, they keep talking about, like, oh, we're among all these poor people who just work in the mines and have no money, yet they come and blow all their money on tickets and wagering on this yeah. shit. But, like, they obviously don't have that kind of technology or anything. They're not going to be, oh, I gotta call my mama. Somebody just whoop somebody. Yeah, like, oh, I gotta, you know, tell the whole neighborhood to fucking turn on rollerball right now. And and I really loved how they have the they had they had the in-house band. And they played a song just for Jonathan Cross. <laughs> like when he when Toba got hit, he, John Cross went over to their little band area, knocked on the window, and they started playing this like for his like menacing like and like pump up music. Like I loved how he had his own little thing. And I loved when they were after this match, this first one, they were they had that reporter interviewing 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is it true that your mother's a crack whore? Yeah. What? What? Why? Because obviously he's black and black people are into drugs. Yeah, and that clearly wasn't the thing. He even said his mom was like a pediatrician. Mm -hmm. And then they translate it and then she goes, yes, yes, it's true. (laughs) Like, holy shit. And the scene where they exit the arena in their expensive cars. Why the fuck did that even happen? Why are their cars parked perfectly outside the arena? (laughs) For them to hop, it's like almost Power Rangers ish. Like they have their like their, because their, their, because their the country's so poor, they're the only people in the country with cars. Yeah, he mentions when they're going down the highway, like, oh my god, why do we have the the whole freeway to ourselves? Yeah. And the one bodyguard's like, we are not a rich country. Like, oh, sorry. Like, oh, forget it. Fuck you. Like, yeah. But it's just like, why did they have to park them? Like, I guess it was more publicity and things like that. For the oh, I'm sport. sure it's more of their product placement. Like, yeah. hey, we'll give you this car for free or a huge discount if you make sure you're seen driving it everywhere. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it was. And then they go to that ridiculous club, which those dancers... Uh, oh, yeah. What's going oh, on there? All these, these weird dancers, they're like, kind of like half-ass S&M, but not quite. Like, And they're up on... They're not just like on a little stage with a pole, but like they're so far up above people. Like... Even if they were naked, you'd be staring down and, like, be hard-pressed to see their boobs unless you step, like, way far away. <laughs> and then, and then, um, Jonathan and, um, what's his name? Ridley. Ridley, yes. They're walking through the club, and they hear two gunshots ring out, and then people just, like, security starts to shove some guy out the door, and they're just like, oh, this country, like, shots fired in the club? Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, it was... And then, and then, hang on, wait, I lost my thing. I wrote it all down here, and I'm just a little lost. Fuck. That's fired in club. Okay. So then, these two uh, these two local chicks come up to Ridley, LL Cool J. They start hitting on him, and they said something like, uh, like, ooh, uh, you're, you're stallion or something. Your horse is right. And he goes, yeah, and hung like one. <laughs> like, what the fuck? And then, and then uh, Jonathan tells him, like, uh, you know, Oh, why you gotta act so stupid or something like that? And he goes, you ever try to get laid with an accounting degree? (laughs) As a matter of fact, yes. And for math geeks, it works like a fucking charm. The, uh, I, and they build this sort of relationship between Cross and Aurora. And it doesn't really, I guess it pans out in the end. I really, it was Mm. kind of a half-ass love story. Not really, because she's, she's just so like... Like, bitchy, basically. But you find out that, oh no, he's been fucking her on the slide, but, like, all they do is fuck, and she doesn't want a relationship. Yeah. She's, like, uh, but she's weightlifting topless. Yeah, topless weightlifting, <laughs> and she's not even doing it very hard. She's just going for super slow, like, oh, I'm obviously just doing this so people just see my naked back and me flexing a little and get turned <laughs> on because they know there's titties on the other side. <laughs> so, like... She she knocks out the camera so that supposedly they don't see what's going on, but you know they know anyway, or like the owners, management, whatever. But so like you know they bang and then they're, they're like in the steam room together. And then she starts to get up to leave and he's bugging her about oh why don't we have a real relationship? And she's you know kind of blowing him off and he goes, wait he goes um shit I've got it right here again oh okay he goes you know your face isn't nearly as bad as you think. <laughs> what a fucking compliment. Because <laughs> she's taking some shots in the game. Yeah, and she's, yeah. She's currently got some stitches right now, too. Yeah. But, you know, you're not really as ugly as you think you are, honey. Yeah, I <laughs> who knows. What a fucking <laughs> asshole. Yeah. yeah, and then uh, during all of that, 
there's some shady business starts going on setting up the game. But these two idiots, they're just so involved in wanting money that even though they know this shit's going on, they they probably could have got out at this time without having to cause any sort of uproar or anything that else that ever even happens. They probably could have just left, you know, uh, on their own and not said anything that they knew anything was going on and just left for their own safety. But instead they stay because LL Cool J is just all about the fucking money. He doesn't really give two shits. Until later on. Well, he mentions, he mentions he's making a lot of money, he wants to stay for another year or two, and supposedly then he'll be able to retire, which I can respect. But, at the but same But when you time, know you could possibly die and shady shit's well, going on. I don't think he, I don't think he realized that that was possible, because I don't think that that had really been happening until now, and he was, oh, it's fine, just whatever. And they were so much about blood being a huge thing in ratings we were talking about before. Early on, there wasn't even that much blood. It was like a cut. Nope. Like a little tiny cut, and then the ratings went from like 8 to like 80. You know, they had to have had an R rating, too, just for the swearing they had and other shit. So if, you're, if you've got an R rating anyway... The movie was rated R? What? Wasn't it? I, I, thought, I heard fuck like once, maybe. Oh, really? It could have been PG-13. I don't... That, see that? Uh, why even do that, then? I don't know, does it have the ratings on uh, Wikipedia here? I don't know. I don't see it, but... I don't know, I mean, it was, you know, who knows. I, I Maybe it was rated R, I don't know. I thought maybe it was PG-13, I don't... I feel like it was a pretty uh, wide movie. I, I thought they were trying to, you know, make it... Oh, no, I guess that could have been audience. it then, but they, they definitely should have just gone for the R then, because they should have known nobody was going to see it anyway. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It, it hugely underperformed. Budget seventy million, hmm. box office twenty six million. Oh, I was hoping for four or five. <laughs> but I mean, it still underperformed greatly. Well, it, that was probably worldwide, though, huh? The box office, it doesn't say. Yeah, it's worldwide total of twenty six million. So here in the states, I don't really know how much it made. It was up for. I hope it made all its money in Kazakhstan. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was up for a Razzie Award. Romaine Rebecca Romaine Stamos. Rebecca Romaine Lettuce? Yeah, <laughs> Romaine Lettuce. Uh, O'Connell, or whatever the hell her last name is now. Oh, she married to Jerry O'Connell now? Yeah, I think so. Mm. Getting that O'Connell dick. Uh, I was okay. almost going to say getting that O'Donnell pussy. But then I O'Donnell? <laughs> <Where was he? laughs> she married Jerry oh. O'Connell, but she's banging tranny Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> or Rosie, I like that. Or Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> <laughs> Scissoring. <laughs> Scissoring. <laughs> well, like Horace the Band said, cut, cut, cut. I, you know, I never seen the movie in full. Speaking of Rosie O'Donnell, but I might have back in the day. I always played HBO, but there was a lot of nudity in it. So as a young, young boy, you know, teen, younger, whatever, I would always watch the movie Exit to Eden mm. with Rosie O'Donnell and Dan Aykroyd in it. When Rosie O'Donnell donned some S and M gear in this movie, which is hard to believe, I know. But, uh, no, it's true. Uh, that movie got a DVD release, but it's been out of print for a very, very long time. I remember, which is sad. I remember seeing an HBO tone, but I would only watch it because there was a massive amount of nudity mm. in the movie. Rosie, o Rosie O'Donnell's not naked in it, or Dan no. Aykroyd. But you get there's just a massive amount of nudity. You know, it. it was based on one of uh, Anne Rice's erotic novels. Mm. But I, I heard that they like completely butchered it for the movie version. <laughs> Yeah, the, uh, you know how we She also it. did a trilogy of erotic novels of the story of Sleeping Beauty. Rosie O'Donnell? And no, Rice. I know, I'm joking. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there were koosh balls all over the place <laughs> coming out of her vagina. Uh, 
That's something everybody wants to picture. Rosie O'Donnell's giant hairy vagina. She probably has some Demi Moore bush going on down there, I bet. <laughs> yeah, she calls it the tarantula. <laughs> There's a movie actually where uh and like the when Rosie O'Donnell had her show and stuff, I think, or maybe after that, it was called like my Something rides the bus or something where she plays like a mentally handicapped person uh, try, riding the bu- public transportation. Apparently it got some big heat. <laughs> I'd love to find that and watch that one time. I know I got some huge heat as far as like people were saying it was just making fun of hearted people and stuff like that. And Yeah, pretty ridiculous. So uh, I did. I like I thought that scene with uh, where they cut the gas line. On Aurora's bike. Oh, yeah. And LL Cool J saves her. He goes flying over the, the fucking glass. But then, then that wasn't even supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. But then they act like, yeah, we got him. Like, how? Mm. That wasn't even supposed... That wasn't even part of the plan. You're trying to blow up somebody else, and somebody else mildly got hurt. Yeah, in the one of your big stars, you know, and then unbelievably, you know, nobody in the crowd got hurt. I'm sure some people would have gotten out of the way, but not everybody. But whenever it spills out into the crowd, oh, the crowd's always fine. It's fine. Yeah, yeah motorcycle hands on the crowd. It's okay. But eight people died. It's fine. <clears throat> uh, after that becomes one of the most ridiculous scenes I've ever seen in a movie, in what is a... Um, Escape from the hospital scene with Chris Klein and LL Cool J that, for what reason, I have no idea, is filmed entirely in night vision. Like, this is like a 15-minute section of the movie. Not yet, not yet. Wait. They end up in the hospital, and they go to visit, or the owner goes to visit LL Cool J, and he's got that stupid Freddy Krueger line, and the owner's all smiles, and he tells his goons outside, you know, Watch them. They take a shit. I want to know what it smells like. <laughs> I miss that one. And one of Paul Heyman's lines was, um, going into that, that game when they got hurt, he goes, uh, talking about the opposing team, they're lathered up like a Siberian wolf pack. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, maybe that's where they were, that was the team. They were the Siberian wolf pack. So then they're getting into their thing before the accident, he goes, we got ourselves a motorcycle race here. Yeah, because it just goes to show how little this game actually is about the rollerball. Oh, oh motorcycle race time. That's now what it, I mean. It's literally, it's literally the game is so boring and sun, so uh, unexciting and so just so much of a joke that it really is like a syndicated stupid game show. It, it really is. It, it, it's just... It's an absolute joke, but back to what I was saying before, the, uh... Well, it's like LL Cool J says, just close your eyes and take the money, okay? (laughs) Just like all the Johns tell him. (laughs) But, um, also, one other thing, one ridiculous thing they cut to, in between, like, all this shit going on, like, the game ends, and they cut to these naked Japanese guys in towels dancing around to the song Wooly Bully for some reason. Yeah! I don't know what that was about. Like, oh, there's some fan service for you. The cuts almost reminded me of... In RoboCop, they cut to that TV show constantly, and anytime they're showing the TV, somebody always turns on this really stupid sitcom, and they're making fun of sitcoms of like the stuff like that. And it's that guy, and he's always going, "I'll buy that for a dollar." <laughs> like they constantly keep cutting to that in RoboCop. I and anytime they cut to that, those weird shows, it always reminds me of those little cutscenes. They're the commercials too, Magnavolt. Yeah, yeah and, and that reminds me of the also RoboCop. There's that commercial for that car in RoboCop, and it's like the 
the 9000, the Chevy 9000 SUX sucks. <laughs> and everybody's like super pumped for the new sucks car. <laughs> yeah, uh, but back to what I was saying before about the night vision scene. Okay, any any other movie would just have lighting, mm-hmm. you know, some sort of light. Is this, scenes are shot at night all the time in movies, mm-hmm. and they're always lit pretty well. Uh, I under maybe they ran out of money, <laughs> and they had to film this entirely in night vision. That or, would be wonderful. Or I really think they thought it was a really cool creative decision. And this is before any of the shitty paranormal activity movies yeah. came out, and this became like the norm. Yeah, and. And, and this movie's not even supposed to be like those, like, where it's that kind of camera. Yeah. It's not. And this whole scene is t- entirely shot night vision green, and you can barely see them. And I, it's almost like that scene in the movie Doom, the end. I don't know if you've ever saw Doom with The Rock. It's a video mm-hmm. game movie. The end of the movie is literally all shot in first person, like yeah. the video game. Terrible decision. Oh, it is, but, like, even then, like, oh, they're trying to do something, like, in the video game. But not here. Oh, no. Yeah, no, here is... I. I just, I honestly, I wrote down so many times. This is the worst scene ever in a movie. I don't understand why it was shot in night vision. I maybe, I just don't get it. They're chased down. They escape on a motorcycle through the back of their van. I don't know where they got this van, where they got the motorcycle that yeah. was in the van. Uh, they they end up almost escaping. And then LL Cool J gets shot dead after he makes the leap over the border. Yeah, they have a... Or he's not quite over the border. The border is just, right just, after, shy, of just shy of the border. But, like, they shoot, and it takes so long for it to connect. I was like, oh, they must have missed. And only then, right the last second, does his motorcycle come to, like, a grinding, sparking halt, like, right in front of the, <laughs> the actual gate. And, it like, they didn't even show it. Like, they didn't, you know, they made it seem like, oh, he went down. But is he really dead? Did they just hit the motorcycle? You know, like, where did they hit him? I don't think their sniper could have been that accurate. It was so dark. I don't think they could have guaranteed a headshot from that distance. Sequel, Dan. Sequel. Yeah, like, I kept expecting him to come back at the end and be, like, the great, you know, the great big, uh, you know, save at the end. Yeah. You know, Chris Klein's on the ropes, and, oh, uh, Ridley's back. And But I guess he's just dead. And, and why did they even do that scene after that with Jonathan Cross wanting to get in on the action now? That never really even paid off. It only paid off in the sense where to try to make them feel that he's okay with everything. No, because they knew he wasn't, but like... Then why did that happen? I think the whole thing was just like for for the bad guy, what's his name? Petrovich, to like show off his power. Like, see this giant thing, this mine? I don't own it, but I pretty much own it because I own the guy that owns it, and I own all these people, and there's nothing you can do, so behold my power. Bwahaha. Now, I hope I can get you on board Because he's some sort of tyrant. Mm-hmm. Of some uh, of some sort, I don't know. And then he wants Aurora traded, and of course they trade her to the opposing team of the next, the last mm-hmm. retirement game or whatever for Cross. Some stupid, you know. Well, they they want. I thought they wanted him to finish the season, and then they're just like, oh, we can't trust him because he's just trying to save his girl. So we'll make this his retirement game. Yeah, and, kill and they both. make they they trade like a million people during this time. All these people are all of a sudden on the gold team. The guy from the blue team with the earrings is apparently now on the gold team, and a few other people... Oh, what about from earlier in the in the movie? I was disappointed this guy didn't come back. The guy had, like, a jester look, but then he had, like, a jester head puppet. Yeah, he was on the gold... talk to somebody. He was on the gold team, but then the only time... Oh, they, the second time they play the gold team is when they made all these changes. 
So they probably replaced that guy. See, like that was so ridiculous. Goon. Like I just wanted there to be more of that. Yeah, he had, it was like a Jeff Dunham on rollerblades. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All the Jeff Dunham fans gotta get a kick out of that when they go back and watch <laughs> this movie. I so, like to play rollerball on a stick. Yeah. <laughs> I I love how at this la- final last retirement game or whatever, the rule there's a rule change, and the rule change is they, there are no rules. Yeah, he, they hand it off to Heyman. He's just like, no, what the hell is this shit? And he like he's reading him off and like, oh, extreme rules coming from Paul Heyman. Ha ha ha. Paul Heyman did he even have a name? Just sports announcer, American announcer. If like, they did, I didn't catch it. He, they never called him by anything. On Wikipedia here, it says sports announcer. And I'm pretty sure on the IMDb page it says it as well. I mean, in the last, this last sequence is so, it's very, so start, very boring. Well, it's, they start slugging it out. He goes, we got a no-holds-barred cockfight. Yeah. yeah, and apparently weapons are a thing now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because suddenly they got, like, um, these scoop things that are, like, like I guess kind of reminiscent of what you'd use in lacrosse, except, like, they really are scoop-shaped instead of, like, a little net, and, like, they made it, like, sharp now, like a knife, too. Yeah. And they were supposedly gonna try to kill um, Chris Klein by, like, cutting his back, but he was saved because he wore a spine protector for the first time ever. Or you could call him Chris Cross. Oh. <laughs> Rest in peace. Uh, the one uh, dude from Criss Cross just died, like... Wow. Yeah, one of them. One How'd the, that happen? Uh, he, like, OD'd or something. Oh, God. I, yep. That was gonna be my guess, and I was <laughs> gonna think, well, I hope not, but... Well, don't get your kids involved in Hollywood at a young age. He's jumping right now with all the Mac Daddies. You know what? This is probably going to be the same fate of, like, half the stars of the current Disney Channel sitcoms. (laughs) Like, everybody from Dog with a Blog is probably going to die in a suicide pact within the next five to ten years. And and you know who told him to do the suicide pact? The dog. The dog. (laughs) My God, after all those years of working on that shit show, he just gets in your head and he doesn't stop. He's like, kill. Kill for Satan. (laughs) Honestly, I'd rather... Honestly, I would rather watch Dog with the Blog the movie than watch Rollerball. Okay. I'd rather watch Dog with the Blog the movie than Rollerball. I do not agree, but okay. Because <laughs> it was just so boring and stupid. Any talking and, animal and, movies an automatic kill yourself for me, but... And that's why they're so great. <laughs> great quotations. Um, I love how they're... Tr- the one big thing about this game is that Jean Renault's character and his... Uh, counterpart, his sidekick, whatever, protege, this uh, Indian... Sanjay. Sanjay, this Indian Afghani. guy. Afghani. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Is that what he is in yeah. real life? Is I don't know it, in oh, real life, but that's oh. what they said he was in He's, the movie. Uh, he, was, he was in uh, Planet Terror, the Grindhouse movie. I know he was on Lost. I've never watched Lost, but I know he was on it. Been a lot of other things since then. But I, they're tr- really trying to sell this to an American audience. Uh, American money people. Apparently it was Shane McMahon. His little cameo that was nothing, where he said nothing, looked at the camera, did absolutely <laughs> nothing. So this is this is my thing. This is what you want to sell to the American people, and they're going to put on American legit TV, like a maybe a big channel or something, a no rule sport that involves death. <laughs> no, what was what? What's one thing now that's only recently become a bigger thing and a more mainstream thing, and has been allowed? UFC. And that's only because that's only because the government made him shut down and add a lot more rules to make it safer. Yeah, to, for a long time, UFC was like a thing they could only do in Vegas. They, you could only like certain places could only show it on pay per view. It was like it was like because it was so dangerous. 
and they've changed a lot, but like this now, this is what you're selling to your American money people is a game with no rules and death. Yeah, I'm sure they're gonna fucking buy this shit. And I might have bought US. it if they would have made it a point to like show what little they did of America. Like, oh, this is a dark dystopian place where nobody gives a fuck about anybody else, but they didn't. Yeah, because <laughs> nobody gave a fuck about making the script work or making yeah. the, the world that it's set in work. And the climax of this whole thing is is pretty boring. He whip when he whips the ball and at the glass and drops the kick. Uh, John Renault. John Renault ends up going. Down into well, his this... two goons pull guns on him, and supposedly he's able to take him out with the rollerball. Yeah, and then and then make his way down like another flight of stairs, and... taking out a couple more goons where, still in his. Where Jean Reno has shotguns hidden behind pool cues, a whole rack of them. Why? But of course, no. Just for this, if, just if instance? you're a sleazy bad guy, you're gonna want guns everywhere because you never know who's True. gonna be coming for you. But if he was that prepared, he would have kept the key on him at all times and not let his head goon, Mr. Sanjay, whoever the fuck, take it away from him and leave him high and dry there. Yeah, yeah cause He still manages all... to load up a shotgun and, like, cock it, d- break the handle off and, like, cock it down while still attached to the rack. But then, of course, Chris Klein can block a shotgun blast with a tiny little table it from, was, uh, from the private I box I almost there. thought it was a, either a little table or a bar stool, a little bar stool or something. Maybe it was a table. I guess well, it was a like table. Yeah, he, uh... Which was it makes it just as ridiculous with either or, uh, he blocks it and all the at the end of the same all the players are rebelling. Mm-hmm. The crowd is chanting Jonathan. They never stop. It's, Jonathan, Jonathan. They, they're still doing it even when it's all over with. I think they just forgot to take out that sound, uh, that you know that track of the sound right there because there's no reason for them to be still be cheering this uh, way after everything's over with. But uh, I love when he shoots John Renault. He's like. I'm not done. <laughs> Blows him away. And then... Did he shoot him? I thought he just hit him in the head. Because, like, he shot... He shot Jonathan, but he blocked it with the table. Then I thought he just hit him in the head. Or did he? Because then Sanjay's oh, like, oh... he shot him that guy, and that's when he said, yeah. his, I'm not done yet. But he did kill John Renault's character. Well, you're led to believe that, but, like, they don't show it happening. Like, the whole thing, like... If he knocks out one of the goons, why not take a gun and kill and, the goons? And then, but... what does he do? He lays down on the pool table with his eyes closed. Yeah. Anybody could have came in and just stabbed the shit out of him or yeah, something. Yeah, and then she, uh, Aurora mentions at the end, like, uh, yeah. oh, you got shotgun pellets. No, I blocked him. No, you took some of them. You need to get to the doctor. Like, I guess shock was just setting in where you just get all high and stupid and you're just like... Oh, I've been shot, but uh, or that was let's a weird, go, let's go for a jog. Or I thought maybe that was a weird thing in the script, like they each had two different versions of it, and he had the version where he didn't get hit, and she like, had the oh, version. But you've been shot. No, I haven't. Yes, you have. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah. Oh, you're supposed to be saying this. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, Paul Heyman says, "This game may be over." <laughs> yeah, I think this is the end of Rollerball forever. I don't think it's ever going to keep going after this event. Like what? And then the end, they just get in the back of a fucking pickup truck and go off to her homeland or whatever. It, yep. And the and, end. And Rob Zombie starts playing, and it was the end of the movie. And the whole thing too is like one of the one of their other team members climbs over the glass and tells him, "Hey, this is bullshit. Stop cheering. They're trying to kill us." And so then the the security goons pull him down and shoot him dead in front of the whole crowd and act like they're gonna threaten the crowd, like, "Uh." But then they stand up and they start cheering and then, oh, we're scared and we're backing off now just because they're cheering for the other guy. And then one of them says, like, you don't control us anymore. Like, well, 
You're the idiots who are pouring all your money, time, effort, attention into this crap in the first place. And all of a sudden, everybody just suddenly realizes, oh, we are being controlled the whole time and this is bad and we will all unilaterally, unanimously stand up against it. Like, it's just it's just so perfect and patent would never yeah. happen in real life no. ever. no. No way. Like, it's almost like a, I am Spartacus! I am Spartacus! <laughs> the, uh, there's some interesting facts about this movie, some interesting trivia. Well, one, I feel that it ended John McTiernan's directing career. I mean, he did, he's, he did Predator, he did Die Hard, he did Hunt for October, Medicine Man, Nice Section Hero, Die with a Vengeance, 13th Warrior, Thomas Crown Affair, and then he did Rollerball, and then Basic, and then his career was... I really feel Rollerball knocked him out of the game... For a long for, I, mean, I haven't seen Basic, and I don't know anything about it, but I really can't... I don't understand why... Well, he did Last Action Hero, too, which I know you liked, but a lot got panned pretty hard and probably didn't do that well either. He bounced back from that, or they let him take on other stuff after that. And I, at least from what I heard, Basic was at least okay. So I don't know why they wouldn't let him do anything else. Yeah, I heard Basic was okay. Maybe he just didn't want to do anything after that. Who knows his... uh his deal here, but uh, some interesting trivia about this movie. Due to negative previews, the release date was shifted many times from May 18th, 2001 to July 13th, 2001, then to August 1st, 2001, then to August 17th, 2001, mm -hmm. then finally moved to schedule for the year to February 2002. So it was thrown all over the place, and Keanu Reeves was originally intended to play Jonathan Cross. Oh, boy. Uh, well, John, thank God he dodged that career they, uh, Here, we were talking about budget issues they may may have had during the movie, but uh, this could be a clear, obvious one, is uh, they recycled players throughout the teams, disguising their faces with elaborate costumes and <laughs> helmets for each away game. So they use the same people all the time. That's why they had those masks. And Slipknot, I don't even know if they're credited in the, in the movie, because they did not actually star in the movie. However... That scene of them performing was recorded during one of the performances and digitally edited into the movie. Mm. Much like the stuff with Pink. Yeah. I read that she was digitally added into the movie and she wasn't even there. Like they had her face like pop up for like fractions of a second on like a TV screen that was probably also just digitally added in. And because it tested so poorly that it was edited from an R to a PG thirteen rating to allow broader appeal oh, fuck because <laughs> because it was i know i heard at least one fuck but that's so yeah. stupid in the first place because if it's such a terrible word you can have one fuck but that's it one fuck's all you get you got a one fuck limit to still keep it pg fuck you yeah fuck you fuck you fuck you fuck you fuck you there's our r yeah. Boom. But I, you I, know what? Child rape. I, child rape, child rape, child rape. There's our NC-17. But, but honestly, I could understand that, because if you if you have a shitty movie, you have a movie, and it's being pushed around so much because every test you've done, uh, every test audience you've done, it's just been shit. So the only way you know you're going to make the littlest bit of money is if you drop the R rating. Honestly, if I was the studio behind that, I'd, I would make the decision as well. I'd be like, We're, we need to make some money on this, and at least kids will think this is cool. Because uh, that's like the people that would think it was cool would be kids. So you, I don't see that. I, okay. I see it because like little kids could be like, oh, rollerblades and motorcycles, and oh well, my god. If I'd have seen... And that whole cool J. Even, even knowing the rating, if I'd have seen the trailers for that, it's not something I would have taken my little kids to. No, I wouldn't have either, but you know... Some people really, really loved this movie. 
And I found some really amazing reviews oh, on IMDb. Oh, I'm sure you did. You usually do. So uh, here's one. Not great, but a good movie. I decided to watch this movie purely on the basis that it's a John McTiernan movie. And I enjoyed the original. I have to confess that I did enjoy it and would recommend it to others. I certainly have seen a lot worse movies recently. The story is a little confusing to say the least, but the filming styles, action set pieces, and general feel more than make up for it. No, they don't. It's How is the movie confusing? <laughs> it's not a great film by any means, but it is good. I would definitely watch it again, as I may understand the full story a little better. <laughs> Chris Klein seems a little lost amongst it all, and Jean Renault is definitely underused. Considering the reviews I had read, I expected some unwatchable trash. Not a great escapism movie with some good mo- um There's some spelling errors in this thing. With some good music, I believe they meant to say, and great action. See it for yourself and make your own decision. Here's one that's called Years Ahead of Its Time. <laughs> this film was simply too good for its own time period. <laughs> I fully believe and predict by 2015 this film will climb exponentially <laughs> up the IMDb rankings. Viewers will become more increasingly aware of its brilliant concepts and flawless acting. Chris Klein truly deserved numerous nominations for his top shelf delivery <laughs> of the acting craft. I hope this is joking, but I don't know because it, it came out. This was posted around the same time as the movie came out. Uh, I don't feel like I need to persuade you to see this film. Just look at the cast list. Naveen Andrews, LL Cool J. What the fuck's Naveen Andrews? Sanjay, probably. Oh, maybe, yeah. Pink, Chris Klein, Jean Pink. Renault. She's not even... She's not in it. She's... Hold on. And finally, the legend that is Alice Poon. <laughs> Who the fuck is that? Also, it isn't unfair to say that Jean Renault delivers such a performance that rivals his own performance in Leon the Professional. Fuck no. Fuck no. This has to be a sarcastic yeah. review. Without giving, giving too much away, I have to say... Bravo to the person who came up with the night vision scenes. The successfully envisioned scenes of the futuristic world in 2005. That's when the movie was supposed to take place in 2005? They didn't specifically Finally, mention it in the wow, cut I watched. at that tagline. Some pretty serious consequences, <laughs> like death. Brilliant. Maybe this was real. I like to think that it was real. It could be fake. Very well, it could be fake. Well, you know, we got two years now. We need to start hoarding every <laughs> in-print copy of this movie. Because when it blows up in two years, we're going to make out like bandits selling it on eBay. Uh, here's the last one I found. Relentless. This was never going to be a commercial success, and I'm sure John McTiernan knew about it. I'm too relentlessly negative and violent. Watching it, one feels like Alex in Clockwork Orange. Sitting in a cinema with your eyes forced open, gore, gore on the screen, so much gore, it makes you sick. With this, McTiernan takes the action film to an extreme that I can't recall in any other film, certainly in no American film. It's no wonder it flopped, and it's no wonder preview audiences hated it. Regular blockbuster audiences like their action movies to be slick. They don't like to be made feel like it's made to feel... Oh, that's some really poor typing here. Yeah, I'm just going to read it like I think it's supposed to be said. They don't like it to be made to feel its consequences. They put feel to made to feel to feel. Uh-huh. Uh, and in this, McTiernan makes us conscious of the pain, and more importantly, our enjoyment of this pain. As attested by the reoccurring images of roaring spectators in the arena, and by the rise of TV ratings whenever there's some extra violence on the field. So we, we as Americans just couldn't take how brutally violent this film was. 
Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> this movie wasn't even that violent. Not after, uh, not after all the torture porn movies. That's for sure. <laughs> Although this did come before that, I guess. But yeah, who knows? Hostel Two, where a chick diddles herself to another <laughs> chick, she strings up bleeding to death all over herself. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that scene. It's pretty ridiculous. Cuts her open with like a s- uh-huh. sickle or something, right? I can't remember what she used, but yeah, it's pretty pretty rude. Gruesome. Uh, yeah, but Rollerball, honestly, it just sucked. It's a bad movie. These people that really loved it, uh, I don't know. I guess... I guess. Don't get all saintly on me, Corey. I guess some people... <laughs> I guess some people, you know, they uh, they love shit. I mean, I, I mean, we, <laughs> we on here we watch the movies that are pretty shit-tastic, but they're hilarious, and they're enjoyable because they're so bad, and this is a, a pure example of something that is just shit for shit. Shit for shit, shit for shit. Shit for shat dicks. You know, get this shat off my dick. The uh, this movie was definitely shit on my dick. Yeah, I'm gonna need a whole roll of toilet paper for this one. <laughs> I'm gonna need some baby wipes for this one. <laughs> I'm gonna need to wipe it on a baby for this one. I'm gonna need a Q-tip to get it out of the tip. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, might as well test for the diseases while you're doing it. Then <laughs> might as well. Well, yeah, that's how they do that, right? <laughs> Q tip up the dick hole. Yep. Oh. Yep. <laughs> well, I did until I read Tucker Max's books. So. Well, I do it to people all the time, so I mean, I should know. Ah, all those shit dicks I touch. <laughs> I don't know. Why okay. I just said that. Well, some of our other friends are touching wieners for the past year and a half, so I guess you could be touching shitty wieners. They're shitty wieners. So, uh, yeah, rollerball. You may have seen it when it came out, but <laughs> it was pretty shitastic. I I guess I reckon I really don't recommend you watch this movie. No. If, you, if you did with however, us, I'm sorry. However, I highly recommend a movie in a similar vein that came out not long after this called Biker Boys with a Z. <laughs> to let you know, I mean, I haven't seen it yet, or, but I recommend it I, anyway. I'll, Just because Sally Richardson, Elisa from Gargoyles, has a part in it. And I hope to cover that soon. It's not up for streaming on Netflix yet, but when it is, we will be there. Yeah, well, another movie, obviously, in more the vein of uh, Fast and the Furious, and this was kind of in that same that same time, and so was Biker Boys, was a movie called Torque. Oh, and yeah. It is, if, it, it's absolutely insane. The director has been on numerous things, and it's said he... The movie was kind of just a joke to begin with when he got it, and they kind of purposely tried to do that, but the marketing and everything else about it drove it otherwise to make it serious, and uh, and it's become quite a thing now to watch Torque with a group of people is like a thing now, <laughs> because it is, it's, it is ridiculous. It is, I remember when that movie came out, I remember seeing it in theaters, because I worked at the movie theater at the time, so I paid zero dollars to see this movie. But it, uh, it, Torque is absolutely... We watched it so many times at the movie theater and laughed our asses off. Because it is... It's an absolute ridiculous movie. I had no idea. That's oh. going on the list. Oh, yeah, for sure. I actually have it downloaded. So it's uh, very much accessible. So uh, this was episode 30. For next week, episode 31, we're going to cover, yet again, an episode of Baywatch Nights. We're going to cover Baywatch Nights Season 2, Episode 9, Night Whispers. You can find this on YouTube. Just type in Baywatch Nights. Night Whispers or just Baywatch Nights. Look for 2X09. I think this is the vampire episode, but don't quote me on that. But either way, it'll be it'll horribly be ridiculous. ridiculous. They, they always are. 
They, it's it's a fun show to watch. It's ridiculous. So I've I've been actually wanting to look. There's some more uh, on this thing I'm looking at. It looks like there's some more Adidas product placement in oh, this yeah. movie. Like there has been well, like past always. Past episodes, even, even on the original series. So yeah, Baywatch Nights. If you haven't checked out this series yet, the first season I really don't know much about other than it was a crime. It, it was like a cr- private investigations. It was like a. Kind of like a Miami Vice thing, but like a private eye yeah. thing. Like it was, it was trying to be a little more serious, but. And then they went season two, X Files route, since that was popular at the time, and decided to go supernatural on us. We've covered some in the past. Uh, what were the ones we've done more recently? The, the Viking one. Frozen was, Vikings. Yeah, Frozen Vikings. They get thawed out in the present. Yeah. And start wreaking havoc with their rusty old weapons and running at people in slow motion. <laughs> Hopefully this one has less slow motion, but more of David Hasselhoff yelling, Valhalla! And more Viking knowledge from David Hasselhoff. Or maybe he knows a lot about vampires in this one. Maybe he knows about Viking vampires. Oh my god, please. Please. So yeah, we get some David Hasselhoff, Mitch Buchanan action, and some terrible, terrible acting, because everybody in this show is uh, Baywatch Nights, Season 2, Episode 9, Night Whispers. So for Beam Movie Breakdown, what you can find on iTunes, Stitcher, or our website, and you can email us and tweet us and all that stuff, BNB Podcast is all that business. I'm Corey. I'm DRC. And um, don't be a doofus-ass white boy. It's the best of the worst.